you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Friday, December 15. Remote Aboriginal communities are pushing for local and regional voices to government, a model that's already working in 10 regions. The Australian reveals today there are discussions about rolling the system out nationally. There's been a 700% surge in reports of serious incidents of anti-Semitism in Australia, including death threats to Jewish leaders and to blow up synagogues. The figures are contained in a report from the Executive Council of Australian Jewry, which says many people are too embarrassed or afraid to report incidents. Lisa Wilkinson believed there was a wicked federal government conspiracy to cover up the alleged rape of Brittany Higgins on the orders of Scott Morrison's office. That's her evidence on a big day in the federal court defamation trial between Bruce Lehrman, who denies any wrongdoing, and Network 10. Wilkinson is also being sued, and she told Lehrman's barrister not to make her sound like a cheap tabloid journalist. That's today's story. Before we begin, this episode contains adult language and descriptions of sexual assault. We've used voice actors to bring you the words spoken in court. On 19 June 2022, the project won a Logie Award for its interview, aired 16 months earlier with Brittany Higgins. Thank you so much for this incredible honour. As Brittany warned me before we went to air, her story would be seen by many of the most powerful people in this country, not as a human problem, but as a political problem. Brittany Higgins was a political problem. And governments tend to like political problems to go away. But Brittany never did. And the truth is, this honour belongs to Brittany. It belongs... It belongs to a 26-year-old woman's unwavering courage. It belongs to a woman who said... This speech resulted in the first criminal trial of this matter being delayed after a furious ACT Supreme Court Chief Justice said Wilkinson had compromised Lehrman's right to a fair trial. In court on Thursday, Bruce Lehrman's counsel, Matthew Richardson, asked if Lisa Wilkinson had ever been trained in subjudice contempt. That's the principle that nobody should comment on a trial that's before a jury. Wilkinson said no. Here's the exchange in court. We've used voice actors to bring you the words of Lisa Wilkinson and lawyer Matthew Richardson. Is that a serious answer? That is a serious answer, Mr Richardson. That's why I stopped and thought about it. I want to suggest to you that you've been broadly familiar with the rules of subjudice contempt since early in your days as a journalist. Yes. Particularly you're aware of those rules as they concern jury trials. Yes. Wilkinson said she'd received advice before making this speech, and in an earlier inquiry, 
Wilkinson said she ran her speech past both ACT prosecutor Shane Drumgold and Network 10 lawyers before making it. The judge, Michael Lee, later said he thought it was inconceivable that any lawyer trained beyond first year of law school would not tell Wilkinson the speech was inadvisable and inappropriate. Richardson wanted to know if the overwhelming message of the speech was that Wilkinson believed Higgins' claim to have been raped. The overwhelming message is that you absolutely, 100% believe what she was saying was true, wasn't it? That isn't what I said in that speech, Mr Richardson. Do you agree that is the obvious interpretation of anyone listening? I can't be in the minds of the audience, Mr Richardson. I want to suggest to you that, irrespective of whatever Mr Drumgold or anyone else did or didn't do, you knew from your own experience that speech was reckless and ill-advised. I disagree. As you stood there on the stage, flanked by your colleagues with your peers in the audience, was there any part of you that thought, this is not an especially brilliant idea? I did appropriate checks, so no. Do you take responsibility for it at all? I take responsibility for those words. I spoke them. I want to suggest to you that you put your pride and your ego ahead of my client's right to a fair trial when you gave that speech. I completely disagree. At this point, Justice Michael Lee intervened. Would you accept that a woman would not be demonstrating unwavering courage if she was making a false allegation of rape against an innocent man? Yes, I accept that. Well, does it not follow that if you say someone is showing unwavering courage, it means they're making a true allegation of rape against a guilty man? Yes. Richardson wanted to dig into Brittany Higgins' claim to the project team that her phone had mysteriously been wiped shortly before she met with them. But she was still able to produce a photo of a bruise and a single message from the senior staffer she accused of letting her down, Fiona Brown. I actually can't follow what she's saying there, Mr Richardson. Did it concern you at this point that what she was saying seemed to be barely comprehensible? Yes. In a recorded pre-interview meeting with Higgins and her partner David Shiraz, Wilkinson could be heard questioning Higgins about her phone, and Wilkinson agreed in court she believed Higgins would make inquiries to see if she could recover any evidence of her claims. Pretty perplexing, wasn't it? I was still trying to understand what she was saying, Mr Richardson. Did it occur to you that it might be pertinent to ask why that message had somehow survived the complete death of her phone? I think we were asking that throughout, trying to get answers, but it wasn't making sense to me. Did you ask that particular question? How did that message survive? Not at that point, but I was asking other questions that were similar to that. Higgins told them she had a photograph of a large bruise on her thigh, which she said was caused by Lehrman laying on top of her on a sofa while assaulting her. Did it occur to you to ask how this particular photo had survived the complete death of the phone? Of course. Did you ask that question ever? I spoke to my producer about it. When she put forward this sole piece of contemporaneous photographic evidence that she said corroborated her assault allegation... It wasn't important to check the metadata on the photograph? Mr Richardson, I have to be honest with you, I'm not that tech-savvy at all. I don't know what metadata was at that point. Wilkinson said she understood the bruise was the shape of the edge of the sofa and could have been caused by pressure. 
The judge wanted to know whether Wilkinson believed someone would check out the photo situation and she nominated the man who preceded her in the witness box, Angus Llewellyn. Would it be fair to say that you thought at some stage during this investigative process, given the importance of a photo, you would have expected that to be checked by somebody? That is, any steps taken to authenticate that photo that could be taken? That's correct. But there was a decision taken by senior management in the team, and it was a very small team that was working on the investigation. But because of the sensitive nature of the story itself and dealing with Miss Higgins having to talk about her own sexual assault, that all communication should be limited to one producer, that being Mr Llewellyn. So for the rest of the team, we were told everything has to go through one producer so that Miss Higgins wasn't constantly getting calls and checks being made all the time. So any concerns that I had went through Mr Llewellyn. Lisa Wilkinson is being represented by her own senior counsel in these proceedings, Sue Chrysanthu, and she's in a dispute with Ten about paying those legal bills, so far over $700,000. In the pre-interview conversation, Higgins said after she contacted some former colleagues in government, suddenly all her messages and photos disappeared from her phone. She said it made her feel uneasy. In the meeting, Wilkinson asked her, Do you think they've got some kind of monitor on you at the moment? Brittany Higgins replied. Right now, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think they did? I think they've got the capability to do it. I know they can do it. I know they can remote wipe phones. I know that's not unheard of. In court, Wilkinson said... I thought it was... curious. Did it give you some concerns that she might have some problems in terms of reliability? It made me think that she was a very scared young woman. Wilkinson said she wanted to push a bit further. I was a bit insistent that we needed to do further investigation and I was told that it had been further investigated and it was now a non-issue. On January 31, Wilkinson sent Llewellyn a WhatsApp asking him to investigate further. I want to zero in a little on this whole phone thing. I need to know what Vodafone is saying about her phone going to black. And if she said she took screenshots of crucial messages she now no longer has, how come she still has the bruise shot? I'm confused on this point. And why is she delaying, or at least appears to be delaying, getting answers on that? Without raising alarm bells with her, do you think you could ask her today or first thing tomorrow? It's a crucial point when it comes to further blocking of her being able to gather evidence. Llewellyn told Wilkinson he'd look into it. He said in a WhatsApp message response. My feeling is there's no covert monitoring or wiping of phones going on at all. It's just a stuff up. And my gut feeling is to avoid the topic as it raises unanswerable questions and weakens rather than strengthens her very strong claims by adding in unnecessary doubt where there currently isn't any. Wilkinson said she later had a phone call with Llewellyn. Here's what she said in her affidavit. I'm not a tech-savvy person and relied upon Mr Llewellyn to investigate this issue. I can recall Mr Llewellyn later telling me that Ms Higgins had access to multiple mobile phones in her role as a media advisor and issues had arisen in the transference of data. In court, Richardson asked if Wilkinson thought it was odd that Higgins had changed her story, from the government wiping the phone to losing the data because she had multiple mobile phones. Richardson wanted to know if this demonstrated Wilkinson was seriously concerned. 
I want to suggest to you that at this point, you believed that this issue presented a potential significant credibility problem for your source. Correct. Wouldn't you agree with me on this? The suggestion that a journalist should avoid topics because it raises unanswerable questions and weakens rather than strengthens a source's claims is contrary to the obligations of a journalist, isn't it? I disagree. Richardson put it to Wilkinson she didn't want to hear about problems. You were entirely captured by your source, weren't you? Can you define captured? Entirely committed to supporting her version of the events. With scrutiny. You were thrilled by the riveting commercial appeal of the story that she told. Please don't make me sound like a cheap tabloid journalist, Mr Richardson. The judge intervened. When the program was broadcast, you had the view, didn't you, that Miss Brown and Senator Reynolds were involved in a systemic cover-up, or not? Were they participants in the systemic cover-up, or not? I believe that they were being very, very careful in the lead-up to a tightly contested election, and that they would have been taking a lot of direction from the Prime Minister's office. So were they participants in a systemic cover-up? Knowingly or unknowingly, or unwillingly or willingly, what was your view at the time? I think they were taking orders from the Prime Minister's office, whatever those orders were. So does that mean that your view was that they were knowing participants in a systemic cover-up? I think it follows that they were. That would be... You would agree that would be wicked conduct? Yes. A systemic cover-up of a rape allegation? Yeah, it was about, about keeping the details away from the media. Senator Cash was aware that there were contacts made by the Canberra Times about Miss Higgins being raped on a couch in Linda Reynolds' office. So it started to get out and they managed to quieten down the story. The story disappeared. That sounds to me like a cover-up. Wilkinson was asked about the fact Higgins seemed to change her characterisation of what Reynolds and Brown had said, from, we'll support you, to, you won't have a job if you go to the police. Higgins then said it had been more of an impression they left her with. The words that were said, I would suggest, were possibly different to the way that she was perceiving them because of the political environment. And the issue that exists when you work in a workplace like Parliament House with so many people, with so many agendas and so many people scared of losing power. Ms Wilkinson, if you believed that the words that were actually said were different to what Ms Higgins was relaying to you, wasn't that a serious problem? No. Didn't it mean that you believed that her account of what was actually said at the meeting was unreliable? No. Maybe I'm just attuned to reading between the lines a little more than you are, Mr Richardson. Coming up, the Cabinet Minister Lisa Wilkinson thought was an idiot. My name is Manny Karoudis, and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.
the project's five-hour pre-interview meeting with Brittany Higgins and her partner David Shiraz, Lisa Wilkinson had a light bulb moment. In the meeting, according to a transcript tendered in court, Wilkinson said this. And if anyone wants to feel fired up about zeroing in on Linda Reynolds, I've just found our private messages. She went for me publicly, and then I tried to come back reasonably, and then I thought, I'm not going to do this publicly. I'm trying to work out who this fucking woman is, like I'd never heard of her. It was all about a tweet Lisa Wilkinson had posted in February 2019, shortly before the project interview was aired, after former Foreign Minister Julie Bishop quit. Makes you wonder just how many, or few, women will be left in the LNP after the next election. Not that there were many to begin with. Linda Reynolds replied on Twitter, calling Wilkinson's post a trite trivialisation. Wilkinson fired back in a private Twitter message. Hi, Linda. Genuinely disappointed that after accusing me of something I didn't do and me politely responding, that you haven't responded. Either defending your stance... The exchange went on, but in the pre-interview meeting, Wilkinson laid into Reynolds. She's an idiot. Even at her own birthday, no one wanted to sit next to her. I've so got her in my sights now. In court, Wilkinson said... What she had done publicly, I considered cheap and nasty. When you say, I've so got her in my sights, now, that doesn't sound terribly objective, does it? Sounds like I'm putting together who this woman is. Who would take a young rape victim into the same room where a rape had happened just days before? I find that behaviour deplorable. Did it occur to you that you had to be cautious working with a source who was conveying negative views and opinions about Ms Reynolds? You'll see there that we are well into this transcript before I've worked out who she is. Did it occur to you that criticisms of Ms Reynolds might be things you badly wanted to hear? No. And were predisposed to believe? I disagree. In the project, Lisa Wilkinson described it as a story of roadblocks to a police investigation and a young woman forced to choose between her career and the pursuit of justice. In the witness box on Thursday, Wilkinson sought to explain this. Is it possible that I can just add to one of my previous answers? You can say anything you wish, Ms Wilkinson. You just referred to the opening introduction to the story. There's no mention of any person pressuring her in that introduction. That was pressure that Ms Higgins was putting on herself because she understood the way Parliament House worked. You say that was the message the program was conveying, that Ms Higgins had put the pressure on herself. Absolutely. Wilkinson also denied the program had criticised Fiona Brown, the former Chief of Staff, to Linda Reynolds. I wouldn't say very critical. I would say that if Miss Higgins' account of what happened and were I Ms Brown, I would have handled it differently. I'm suggesting that the way you portray Ms Brown to the viewers is as a terrible human being. I disagree. Lisa Wilkinson returns to the witness box on Friday. We've got live coverage of the trial all day at theaustralian.com.au. Thanks for joining us on The Front. Our team is Kristen Amiot, Leah Zamaglou, Tiffany Dimack, Jasper Leake and me, Claire Harvey.
Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt, and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free, and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth, and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.